You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 116. Today, I'm interviewing Sage Levine about how to sell with more confidence. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 800,000 downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. All right. Hello there. James Wedmore here and welcome to the Mind Your Business Podcast. I've got a very special bonus episode here on a Wednesday for you once again. Just got off an interview with my good friend, Sage Levine, and the author of the brand new book, Women Rocking Business. And we had a fantastic conversation around the dreaded S word, selling, and the uncomfortableness, the resistance, the fear of selling. And it is such an important conversation because if you're in business, if you're an entrepreneur, you got to be selling. And if we don't get that figured out, if we don't straighten out those kinks, we're going to struggle a bit, aren't we? And so Sage really brings a great perspective to the conversation. And we'll get to that interview in just a moment. I wanted to just check in with you guys really quick. First of all, thank you for listening. I've been putting a ton of new interviews, attracting a lot of great guests. And the podcast is just about to hit a million downloads. So I'm just so excited about that. And so many of you have been sharing this, spreading the word and giving me a lot of love, which I just really, really appreciate. We've got some great reviews that have just come in to iTunes. This first one is from Raven. You're amazing. Thank you so much for sharing the podcast and saying so many great things. I'll just read Raven's review first. James, full of gratitude. Your kindness is reflected in your voice and your mentoring. Your compassion shows through your experiences and openness to teach. Thank you. Another one from Christine that says, I just wanted to say thank you for the amazing insights you share in your podcast. I've been listening since the beginning of the year and it has quickly become my favorite. I love your personal episodes, but two of your latest ones, episode 110 with Felicia on the Akashic Records and 114 with Jim Fortin are simply extraordinary and have deeply, deeply impacted me. Thank you so much, Christine. That means the world to me. And yes, these two episodes have gotten extraordinary feedback. So if you haven't checked them out yet, we'll link them up in the show notes. Episode 110, I talk to Felicia about this thing called the Akashic Records. And man, so many people have reached out to her to work with her, to connect with her just based on that episode. And then, of course, one of my favorites as well, episode 114, where I talk to NLP master practitioner Jim Fortin about how we can get to the root cause of that sabotaging behavior without using willpower so that we can change our thoughts, change our habits, and change our beliefs. This is a mind-blowing episode, and that's exactly what we do here on the Mind Your Business podcast is intend to blow your mind every single week. So 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, I've got a ton more amazing episodes coming your way. So if you haven't subscribed on iTunes, I'm going to highly suggest you do that now. If you're in the app, just go click that subscribe button right now because I want to make sure you get updated. I've got a new episode coming out every Monday and I've got surprise bonus episodes coming out on Wednesday. Here are some of the upcoming topics that you're going to want to pay close attention to. The DNA of thought leaders, the uh, essential ingredients of what really makes up a thought leader. You're going to love that. I interviewed the author of a fantastic book that I read recently called Your Ego Says, and that is with James McRae. I have one of my special guests take us through a guided meditation so you can keep that in your back pocket and just listen to this 10-minute meditation when you get up, before you go to bed, when you want to take a break from work. I have another NLP master practitioner coming on the call to talk about how you can you can start to use some of the NLP basics to increase your performance in work and so many more episodes. So you're not going to want to miss a single one. Make sure to subscribe now. A lot of goodness coming your way. So let's get into today's episode. This is an interview I did with my good friend Sage Levine. Now this is actually her second time on the show. Sage originally came on back in January for episode number 73 on how to rock live events, how to incorporate live events and workshops into your business to generate more revenue and create raving fans and lifelong customers. And you know me, I'm a huge fan of live events and that human to human in person in real life connection. But today we're talking about something a little different. We're going to talk about the art of selling and the art of authentic selling so we can get past any of that fear or resistance because, man, I will tell you, I had a ton of that. In fact, I mentioned in the interview why I started an online business was because I was afraid of people. I've had a huge fear of people, especially you know growing up, but especially when I started my business. So a fear of selling was like, times 10. That was just terrifying to me. And I've been able to overcome that. I've been able to sell from stage. I've been able to generate millions of dollars over the years with all my courses, programs, whether it's online, in person, over the phone, you know, you name it, I've done it. And it's because I began to shift my relationship with selling, with money, and with serving my customers. And you know, what Sage speaks to just aligns so much and resonates so much with the work I've done. So I just think this is a fantastic conversation to have. Let me tell you a little bit about our special guest, Sage, today. So Sage Levine is the CEO of Women Rocking Business, which reaches nearly 100,000 conscious women entrepreneurs around the globe. And she teaches women to fill their practice and create sustainable wealth through creating a business that they love. Sage and her team and a tribe of women entrepreneurs have raised over half a million dollars for women around the globe, women in the rainforest and in Indonesia, supporting them to build businesses that serve their communities and protect our ecosystems. She inspires her students to love themselves and each other so much that we can't help but all succeed together. And she is the author of the brand spanking new book, Women Rocking Business. Now, again, if you're a guy, if you're a dude like me, don't skip over this episode because everything we talk about is just as relevant for men as it is for women. So without further ado, let's go ahead and play that interview. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with none other than Sage Levine. Sage, how are you doing? Oh, it's so good to be here. I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me, James. And thanks for having you back. Round number two. <laughs> if you guys recall, if you guys are longtime listeners, we had Sage on the podcast back in, oh boy, what was it, like January of this year, talking about live events, which, side note, I actually have a live event coming up, so I should probably review that episode myself. <laughs> um, very excited about that, but I'm very happy to have you back on the podcast, so thank you for being here. You've also got a big update for us. You just released your brand new book, Women Rocking Business, the ultimate step-by-step guidebook to creating a thriving life, doing work you love. Congrats on the book. Oh, thank you so much. It's just definitely been a labor of love, just like your podcast has. And I'm just excited to get this message into the hands of more women entrepreneurs. And you know, the book, a lot of a lot of my amazing male colleagues have dove into the book and really enjoyed it as well. So I hope that every single one of you that's listening finds something today that can give you that one degree shift that can make a huge difference in your business. Yeah. So there's if you're female, it's the book is called Women Rocking Business. If you're a guy, it's whoa. Men rocking business. <laughs> <laughs> you're the first one that's picked up on that. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be using that in the future. Just, just when you're, if you're a guy and you're reading the book at Starbucks, just put your thumb over the woe and you're fine. You're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good. Throw a little exclamation point in there. <laughs> yeah. So I know we're going to talk about the S word today, selling. But before we do, I am fa- I'm always fascinated, and that's a lot about what this podcast is about, is what you're up to and what you're doing. So I'd love to know a little bit more about what made you want to write the book and what was the process like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the truths about me is that I always wanted to write a book. And so maybe in some sense, you could say I started my business so that I could build a platform so that I could write a book, yeah. <laughs> you yep. know, and I don't, if any of you out there aspire to write a book, or maybe you already have, and you're wanting to take that book to the next level, it's kind of fun to watch that whole journey unfold. I am a little bit of what you could refer to as like an accidental entrepreneur. You know, in my last career chapter, I was a school teacher from Iowa, and I did not have any entrepreneurial bones in my body. I think I might've mentioned this last time as a kid, my mom didn't want me selling Girl Scout cookies because she was afraid that I would offend the neighbors. Right. Um, so, you know, if I can go on to go from making $28,000 a year as a school teacher to building a million dollar training company, reaching a hundred thousand women around the world, if I can make that transition, so can you. And I, I'm just here to put a stake in the ground for all of you who might not feel like you're meant to be an entrepreneur, but you have a message for the world. And that's really what was true for me. I think over the years, I just became more and more dedicated to that, which is really my heart's calling, which is to support women leaders and specifically to help women entrepreneurs be wildly successful. I launched the training company. It quickly grew into a million dollar company within a couple of years. And of course, like I said, a lot of men love the approach, but really, you know, for decades, what I've come to understand through, you know, being in the women's leadership movement and being a business coach is that, you know, women have been sort of the underdogs financially. We're still making 80 cents on the dollar for every dollar a man earns. We've been accused of being people pleasers and conflict avoiders. But I actually see that these very traits that have us be inherently feminine, and, you know, men have feminine qualities in them as well. I believe, you know, as women and men, we're all a mixture of the masculine and the feminine. But I actually have come to understand that it's some of these very qualities that women have not always felt proud of that are giving us a leg up in business. 
they're actually the reason why we have what I call a cooperative advantage, which is what chapter four is all about, that women have this cooperative advantage. Because I think, you know, James, you and I have had conversations about this before, but some of the traditional ways of doing business, you know, are really just problematic. You know, we're living at a time where business as usual can actually fuel exploitation in the world. Business can cause suffering. We're living at a time where, you know, there are there are incidences where money takes priority over the value of a human life. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so committed. And I know you are too, James, to having more money in the hands of the heart based entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs on the planet that are really here to make a big difference. And, and to help, especially women, since we are the underdogs financially, to help us get the skills that we need to get on equal ground, equal earning ground. You know, women are not earning what we deserve in many cases. Sometimes women aren't earning what we need to survive. And yet women are starting businesses one and a half times faster than men right now. So there's never been a better time for us as women to really step into our power as entrepreneurs. And again, I love this conversation that you and I are going to have around selling today, James, because I think some of the aversion to selling, you know, it comes from the part of us that just really wants to be able to be generous and give and change lives. And I think women and men both struggle with that. So yeah, yeah I'm really committed to every single one of you getting something big out of this this episode. Well, and you said a bunch that I, that I want to unpack. You know, first of all, I mean, it's so great to hear that the rate at which women are starting businesses. I've also observed that, yes, maybe in, in the career space, men are still on average being paid more. But man, I have just seen so many women entrepreneurs crush it. And like, there are jokes around the office where like, man, if only I was a woman, I bet my ads would convert a little bit more, <laughs> you know, like you just, you just see so many of these amazing women that have massive communities online. Yes, and it's, yes. I think there is something to be said about that. that. Like women want to be much more a part of a community than guys do. Like they're kind of the stubborn ego. Like I'm just figured yes, out myself. Yes. Yes, yes. And I think it's I think it's a really sweet opportunity for us, especially in the internet world, because in the internet world, we are sort of like pioneers of the Wild West, mm, right? Yeah. And we're not we're not in an old traditional top down masculine leading, you know, pedagogy. We're like we can create our own rules, and I think that it is a ex really exciting time for female internet marketers. And you know, when we when we really get the truth that we can do business and we can thrive in business from a place of collaboration rather than competition, you know, and we can thrive in business from a place of just leading with our generosity rather than leading with a sense of urgency or having to push, 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 you know, and women really also are wired for building a business from a place of empowerment for everybody rather than a sense of power over, mm. you know, and when we really see and we get the tools that are aligned with those values you know, we can thrive quite quickly. I want to ask really quickly, just because I'm selfishly curious, was writing the book like one of the hardest things you've ever had to do? You know what? I don't think writing the book was the hardest thing. I actually feel like launching it has mm. been the hardest thing because I'm literally, you know, looking to sell thousands of copies of a book and get the book into the hands of thousands of people. And in my company, you know, we've just never had any reason to need to sell more than 500 or a thousand units of anything before, right? right? Like 500 to a thousand clients is certainly more clients than most of us need. And so to think about selling 5,000 books or, you know, 10,000 books is, it can be just really for me, it can, like that's been, you know, that's my sort of transparent, vulnerable moment of like, I'm sort of in the most 
scary part of this book coming together right now. Writing the book for me was really fun. I like to write. Mm. One of the things that was tricky about it was just finding time to write. Sure. So I got up early. I wrote in the mornings and I also ended up hiring a really good editor to help me finish up the book because toward the end I was up against my deadline and I just, I needed a lot of help. So I just, I just recommend for any of you who are writing books, who are also CEOs of a company, just to get a lot of support. <laughs> yeah. And just be held accountable. So you stick to your deadlines. Cause yeah. I got to acknowledge you cause that is, I have never written a book and it's definitely something that intimidates me. And I've heard from so many people how, how much it takes of you. So, I mean, for you to do it and, and do it easily and gracefully is extraordinary. I'm sure without any doubt, your your numbers, obviously you're on this podcast. We've already got a ton of listeners here that love you because you've been on the show before. So we'll make sure to link up Women Rocking Business. You can grab it on Amazon now. Make sure to grab your copy from Sage. Yeah. And then email us if you go buy the book, because we have a bunch of bonuses that we're offering. And you can also buy the book at our website, womenrockingbusiness.com. Womenrockingbusiness.com. We will link that up as well. Now, I want to get into a very important topic, something I wanted to talk about specifically with Sage. You mentioned these words about coming from a place of generosity, collaboration, community, and empowerment. And, you know, I've been a huge advocate on the podcast, one of the big themes or messages is about integrating what you said, the masculine and the feminine or the left brain and the right brain. And I'm such a fan of this, of generosity, collaboration, community and empowerment. But big asterisk, but I feel like a lot of people, as soon as you bring up the word selling, they have to throw these wonderful words out the window. Like they're, you know, it's one or the other. And that's what I'd love for you to speak about here today, whether you're a male or a female if someone has an aversion to selling, if someone doesn't enjoy it, or they think that it's the opposite of being generous or empowering, you know, to ask for money, what's your advice? And what, what do you, what do you say to those people? Well, the first thing I invite us all to do is to really look at when we've been sold to that has put such an aversion in us that has had us you know, really retaliate against the process of selling, right? One of the things I really help my clients to do is to identify those negative beliefs that we have around marketing and selling because at its core, let's just look at the energy of selling for a moment, right? Selling our services is really at its core a form of us offering ourselves to our clients. I even like to really invite us all to think about selling as a service. Because without it, our customers, you know, would not find out about our services. So if we then put our repulsion of selling above our commitment to learn how to offer our services in a way that feels good, then we're essentially put, you know, putting our own fears and repulsions above the needs of our clients, right? And so how can I invite every single one of you right now into an inquiry with yourself of like, what would it take? for selling to be this form of like a sacred form of self-expression for myself, right? Because let's face it, we've all had bad experiences of being sold to, but you've probably also had good experiences too. Yes. Like if you've, if you've ever purchased anything from James Wedmore, you probably had an amazing experience because he's Say an incredible... Say yes, everyone. Say yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Um, so to really make sure that you anchor in those times in your life where you invested in something that absolutely serves you. You know, I go home to my house. I have a house two blocks from the beach in Santa Cruz and I go home every day just in gratitude. I pull up to my home. I can smell the ocean air. I have, you know, a big Buddha head in the backyard. It's surrounded by plants. Like I just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for like the opportunity that I had to buy this home. The realtor that sold me the home was very pushy. You know? Right. He was very in my face about buying the home. And you know what? He was right. It's an incredible home. So I'm curious for every single one of you, like, what do you have in your life that's a contribution to you because somebody sold it to you, whether it's a car or your favorite sweater or the tofu in your fridge or, you know, a training program that you signed up for or a workshop that you attended that changed your life, right? My One of my good friends jokes that, I became a saleswoman in college when I convinced her to take a trip with me to New Zealand. We studied abroad in New Zealand in college. And she's like, I had never seen you be so convincing of that day that you convinced me to go to New Zealand with you. And she's like, I think that was the moment that your inner saleswoman was born. Right. And so that, of course, that trip changed both of our lives. Right. And she admits she wouldn't have gone if I hadn't really like put some pressure on like, imagine, you know, on your deathbed, what are you going to care about? Are you going to care about the $5,000 that you saved in college because you didn't go to New Zealand? Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just really invite you into that place where you are in such service to your clients that you're willing to stand in the commitment with them of their own transformation, the results that are possible when they choose to invest in themselves. Now, I love this. That's fantastic. And even just you sharing, like, think of the times that you've had an aversion to selling or an experience, you know, and I can only imagine that if you were at a young age, your mom was saying like, oh, no, no, the neighbors are going to be offended. Like, boy, I'm sure we also grow up with a ton of those beliefs and experiences and it's no wonder that we're adverse to it. Listen, I started an online business 10 years ago because I wanted to make money without talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> and and now my favorite things are when I can get on the phone with either a potential customer or current customer. And sometimes those are sales conversations and it's actually become really fun. It's really different. So this is, this is fantastic. Okay. And I love it. The whole commitment piece, something we like to say is the transformation is in the transaction that when we... Yes. I'm sure you've had experiences like that, right? Where you invest in something, you know, like a mastermind or a group coaching program, and you all of a sudden like show up in a whole new way. You take it more seriously because there's skin in the game. And I think we lose, we lose sight of that. We don't really value what we get for free, except this podcast. <laughs> throw the subliminal messages in there. But what would you say first, just to play devil's advocate and give the objections our listeners might have to someone that is rather new and they don't necessarily have the confidence that someone like you would have in delivering their services because maybe this is their first or second client that they're getting. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's one of the reasons why I really advocate that we build our businesses from a place of collaboration, right? Rather than competition, because until you have the cellular experience of somebody buying from you, when you're first starting out, you sort of, I was talking to my clients about this this morning, you sort of have to fake it until you make it. You know, you sort of have to be willing to take those steps into the darkness not necessarily having the actual street credibility of people hiring you, right? Mm -hmm. So a couple of things. I mean, I really recommend that for 
those of you that actually haven't gotten your businesses off the ground yet to be willing to do what I say, <laughs> do what I say. No, what I mean is to be willing to take the invitation that I make to you when I make the invitation, when we make the invitation start with generosity, lead with generosity rather than urgency. Because, you know, my first clients, my very first clients were beta clients. Like I had two clients that were not paying me that were very clear that I was coaching them for three months in exchange for a success story. You know, so my very first two clients didn't pay me. They didn't pay me a dime. But at the end of those three months, they were really committed to having some sort of a transformation within themselves that they could report on so that I would have success stories to help me build my business. So, you know, wherever you start, what, wherever is, you know, appropriate for you to start in order to have those transactions that, like James said, the transaction is what leads to the transformation. Whether you start with some practice clients, whether you start by, you know, lowering your rates enough to just get those first few clients in the door, then what you get to do is you get to stair step. You know, one of my clients this morning was talking to me about how she came into my program wanting to charge a thousand dollars a month for her services. And she's tickled that she just got her first client at $400 a month. Mm. You know, she, she lowered her rates by 60%, but she just got her first paying client. Her client's totally signed, sealed and delivered for the next six months and guaranteed, you know, if she keeps going like she's going, she'll have 10 more clients like that in the next six months, just because she was willing to stick her neck out there, even though it felt uncomfortable. And so it really is that willingness to sort of, I like to say clarity comes from taking action and not the other way around. And so does confidence. Confidence really comes from taking action. There's no amount of inner work that you can really do. That's a substitute for being willing to go out there and get the practice and have the conversations and give it a try and engage with people rather than, you know, creating content in a closet, because I think that's one of the mistakes that mm. we make in the first couple of years of business is that we want to do just like what you said, James, I want to make money online without talking to people. <laughs> one of my things was like, I want to make money online by working, you know, three to six days a month. Well, now I'm running a seven figure training company. I tend to work 10 or 12 days a month. But I don't work Fridays and I usually take a week off every month up until the book launch. <laughs> but, you know, truth be told, my life is so much more full of freedom and luxuries than it would have been if I was working a J-O-B. And so, you know, I just want to really emphasize that willingness to start where you are and to you know, to build up your own sense of confidence by being willing to engage rather than hiding behind our computers and creating content in a closet. We're actually willing to engage with people because that's where we actually find out what people are most wanting from us. And we have a saying in our world that says connection equals currency. Mm. And I think as internet marketers, you know, we can fall into a false belief that we can just like throw some things onto the internet and make a lot of money, but it still comes down to the connection. You know, what kind of a relationship are you building with the people who find you on a podcast or on Facebook or on social media? You know, how are you actually nurturing that relationship along? And that's what really leads to the financial freedom that we're all looking for. Speaking of connection, I actually had a listener write in a physical letter talking about how much they enjoyed your episode, the last one that we did together. Oh, how sweet is that? Thank you for telling me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to find the letter. We keep, we keep all the letters that come in and we're actually going to have a handyman come in the office and like build a wall that has like all of them all in one place. It's, It's just really cool. Oh, so sweet. But I love what you said. Confidence comes from action. It's so true. And it's that fear that keeps us from taking action. 
However, if we go back to what Sage said when I first talked to her, the first question I asked her is that when we put our commitment to serving our customers before our own fears, concerns, and considerations, we can dissolve that fear and get into action and build that confidence. It's kind of this like empowering cycle. If we can get, if we can get out of that fear cycle, we can get into a much better one. I I mean, this is so true. And I've just seen this in my life for, you know, years now. Yeah. And I would love to say one more thing about that. I love the direction you're pointing us in because what if that fear or trepidation, right, was actually preventing you from changing more lives? And what if like the most selfless thing that you could do was to be willing to learn to promote yourself so that people can actually find out about you, right? Like if you feel like the best kept secret right now, maybe it's because you might be keeping yourself too much of a secret, right? (laughs) I, I say that with total love. But if you're stuck feeling kind of icky about offering your services, you're, you know, can you feel how that's actually, it's, it's actually pretty self, you're sort of self-centered in that thought, right? It's, that's actually about you. It's not about your clients. So I, you know, I think James and I are both inviting you into this place where you're actually putting your commitment to your clients first. Well, you know, what's funny too, this is, you know, it just came up for me is I, I look for how long I've been in business and I've rarely... Well, I tell a story on one of my old episodes how like I fell into like what might have been a depression like my first after my first year in business and never since like I've never had that like funk or that burnout that major breakdown and that this is a very common thing and for me I've just never had a motivation problem because I am now addicted <laughs> to my customers transformations and I don't oh. I don't say that as like just to say that I know it sounds a little cliche and cheesy but nothing fuels me more and and I, since I know that I'm always playing to that that if yeah. I see myself starting to get stuck that if I see myself not putting something out like I I believe that we're sabotaging ourselves every day you know we just whether they're going to choose to recognize it or not and get out of our own way so we can live up to our highest potential and any times I find myself like procrastinating, putting something off, this always resets and supercharges that. Is that similar for you? Like, I mean, you've, yeah. you're obviously coming from a place of service. Yes. I was just talking to my clients about this this morning as well, that I'm, you know, going into September is this big month. Like I have scheduled so many podcasts and so many radio interviews. And, you know, I've just, I've, I've just said yes to every opportunity that's come my way during the month of September, because my book comes out September 26th. And, you know, I've been training myself to have a month like this, where I'm really running my schedule way more full than I usually do. And I, you know, I invited my clients to be a part of it with me. And that was one of the things that got me so excited starting this first, this is like the first official work day of September of like, you know, this being September being like sort of like the back to school month, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the month that we all sort of get to summer's over and and we're, we're moving into the quote unquote school year. I think we can use that energy as entrepreneurs, but I invited my clients to be a part of the accountability this month of having this month be like go month. Like who wants to be like, really embracing this go energy alongside me and like every single one of them signed up for it. So now we're running a contest where we're all posting our little celebrations every day on Facebook. And, you know, just that commitment to be doing it alongside our clients and the commitment to making a bigger difference for our clients 
is I think in so many ways, what can pull us forward when we get out of our own way. And I want, you know, I want to add on to that, which is like, if you can take that belief and then you can pre like preload your selling conversation with a belief that this is about you changing lives, then you get to remember that you're not actually selling yourself. You're not selling yourself. You're selling the transformation. You're selling the benefits that come when your potential clients invest in themselves through your service. And and all that resistance to self-promotion goes out the window as well. That's where, you know, like, oh, I hate posting about myself on Instagram. And it's like, no, it's exactly what Sage is saying is, you know, you're this vessel, you're a means to their transformation. And your story, your uniqueness, your personality and your voice is going to allow for them to resonate with you over somebody else. But yeah, we have to be able to get over that whole self-promotion piece. That's right. That's right. Totally. Let me ask another question real quick. I think I think a big aversion to the selling is going to be the like, but what if they say no? Right. What is some like, you know, fuel and food for thought you could give us? Yeah. Being willing to face that rejection and knowing that that rejection is ultimately going to get us one step closer to somebody who's going to say yes is, you know, sort of the essence of how to relate to that fear of rejection, right? And when we really look at that fear of rejection of somebody saying no to us, I think it's interesting to unpack that a little bit, right? Like what's at the heart of that, right? Mm -hmm. For a lot of women, and I know for a lot of good men too, there's just a piece around like visibility and belonging, right? That it just taps right into that. And so, you know, I love one of the things that you really advocate, James, of just like getting yourself out there with your podcast getting yourself out there to sort of be visible and to do that alongside a community. I mean, when you, when you start listening to this podcast, when you start following James, you're going to be alongside a tribe of other entrepreneurs who are in this for the right reasons. And I think it's essential, especially for women, but for men too, to have people who are building their businesses alongside us, you know, who are people that are sticking their necks out in the same way that we're sticking our necks out. You know, James and I know each other because we're in a group of, we're in a mastermind group that's full of, you know, sort of seven figure entrepreneurs and people that have reached a certain level. And I'll tell you what, we're just afraid as you guys are a Mm -hmm. lot of the time. And we need each other so that we remember that there's nothing wrong about the fact that we're afraid, but we're going to, we're willing to keep going, you know, in the face of the fear. And I think, too, we can be afraid at both ends. Like we can be afraid of being really successful and like, you know, somehow getting ahead of everybody else and somehow ending up sort of being isolated because we're successful. In addition to, of course, the fear of falling on our face and, and being a big fat failure. Oh, I I think the fear of success is more prevalent than the fear of failure. Yet it's the one that really isn't talked about as much. Yes, exactly. What if this does work? And, yes. and I've seen that come up for me as I, I'm, con- I'm part of the podcast is all about this stuff is just constantly looking at that resistance and where I'm s- stopping myself in certain ways. And just like, you know, it's kind of that silly, but has some truth to it, that mo money, mo problems. But that start, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a, when you talk about commitment, that's not something to be taken lightly. Like if someone does pay you money, there's a commitment there. And sometimes that's, too much of a commitment for someone to really like feel like feel like at least they don't think they can step into that you know so yeah i think i think that's a big one that's um, huge it's huge we have a saying around here that we you know we tell the women in our tribe 
that the women in this tribe are going to have your back and your sides, whether you fall on your face or whether you end up on Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you're going to, you're going to need us by your side. If either of those two things happen, right? Yes. And I run a mastermind as well. And you, you see the same thing. It's, you know, the whole cliche phrase, but a new level and new devil. So, okay. I'm curious if we can talk about any thoughts you have on pricing, yeah. I know you gave great advice. If you're just starting out, you got to find a way to get momentum. I couldn't agree with that yeah. more. Whether it's take yeah. on a few clients, barter, give them a discount, whatever it is that's to give you the action and the experience that will bring confidence. But longer term, like let's say we've got that all, all the kinks are, you know, been straightened out and you've got some of that confidence and you're going out to have your best month ever. What are your thoughts on pricing? So... I definitely recommend stair-stepping, like James just mentioned, starting out somewhere, getting the momentum. And then once you have that confidence that people are going to pay you for what you've got, then the pricing conversation really comes down to what your vision is. And I do, I want to mention these four leadership types, because when you understand your leadership style, when you understand where you're leading your business from, what part of you is leading your business and what is it that you really want to create and what is your natural strength in leadership, it can be easier to really clarify that vision. So in a moment, I want to be sure to tell you about these four leadership styles that I've stumbled upon, but in terms of pricing and your vision, you know, What I've done is I've actually kept my prices a little bit lower on my mastermind. And one of the reasons for that is because we're scaling it up. The first year we had 20, the second year we had 60, you know, the third year we had 80. Now we have a hundred and some, I can't remember how many. And, you know, we're looking to have a community of, you know, around 250 women in that program before we sort of cap it. And we're looking at dividing it up into, you know, into communities within that 250. But I want to be able to serve that. I want to be able to change the lives of that many women in my year long mastermind. And so we're keeping the price at a certain level because we recognize that that's a selling point. Now, if you're doing something more elite, if you're going to keep something and we do have a program where we cap it at 50 people every year and that program is, you know, it's got a higher ticket price. Can I, I want to, I definitely want to dive a little deeper on that. So is your like thought process behind that is when you start with the vision, you're like, okay, I have this great offer. Here's what it's going to look like. And I really want it to be for about 250 women. Do you then kind of set a goal like, and I want this to generate about X amount of dollars per year. And then you just kind of divide by 250 and come (laughs) to your, like, is it as simple as that or something else? Well, absolutely. I think the math can be really helpful. I think math is such a totally useful tool in really going for our goals, right? Like how much do you want to be making with this particular program? Mm -hmm. And then how many people do you want in the program? And then simple math is going to leave you with a dollar amount that is like the appropriate investment level for that program, right? If I, you know, if I, if I can see myself having 20 people in the program and I want to make 10 grand a month with this program, you know, then you've got your ticket price of $500 per month per person, right? So I think that's a great starting place. I also just like to look at the energy, you know, the energy of what people, this might sound a little bit woo woo, but it's like the energy of what people invest for this kind of a service. You know, it, it is helpful to see what other people are charging. And then it's really important 
important to look at, you know, am I wanting a higher level sort of exclusive kind of experience where I'm going to be able to charge a little more for that because we're going to cap it at a certain amount and those people are all going to get a certain amount of energy from me particularly, or am I wanting something that's a little bit more financially accessible so that I can really scale this up? And if someone has a program and they want, they have the desire to raise their prices, but there's resistance there. Do you have any thoughts, advice for them? Absolutely. You know, one of the cool things about raising your rates is that as soon as somebody says yes to that new rate, it's very difficult to lower your rates. Oh, so true. (laughs) You can never go back. You can't. Yeah. You know, which is actually the energy of the, it's really the energy of the, the sort of CEO, you know, the mentor who really starts to value his or her services more and more, the more people choose to invest, right? And the more you see the difference that your services make in your clients' lives. So it's one of those willingnesses to really put it out there. I also am a big fan of, you know, adjusting your program accordingly, right? Like if you take away private time, if you take, if you pull some of your private time out of a program, but introduce other ways of supporting clients, you may be able to keep your investment level similar and hold steady, right? Without having to raise your rates, but you now got a bunch of your free time back. Oh, that's, that's huge. Let me, let me just hit on that. So people really hear what you just said. It's not always about raising your rates or your prices, but it could be about keeping them the same and taking away or getting some of your time investment back that could be used towards something else, like a new offer. Yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. I I totally agree with that. Oh, I love that. It's not just keep raising the prices, keep raising the price, but like, wait a second. exactly, right? Yes. And that's really, that's really the energy of thinking like a CEO, thinking of a mentor, like a mentor. And that's one of the four leadership styles I was referencing. The CEO is one leadership style. Now, I didn't start out being a brilliant CEO. I had to hire, I had to hire <laughs> CEOs and mentors to teach me how to think like a CEO, right? And now my clients, you know, pay me to do the same. I think, I, I, you know, I know you're very good at thinking like a CEO, James. I, I've always really appreciated your advice in that category. Some of us are better at thinking like a visionary. Okay, so CEO is the first leadership style. Visionary is the second leadership style. Some of us are really good at visioning. We've got lots of ideas, but we're not always as skilled at actually knowing which idea to do first, second, or third, or which idea to commit our full energy to so that we get a lot of profit flowing into one project, right? So, you know, many of us are natural CEOs. Some of us are natural visionaries. The third leadership style is more of a healer, like more of a nurturing. I'm just really good at taking care of people. You know, can't I just go out there and love people and take care of people in exchange for money? Why do I have to sell myself? Right. Why do I have to learn marketing? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. And I attract a lot of those that archetype. I, I attract a lot of women who are incredibly intuitive, incredibly empathic, all kinds of, you know, healing arts gifts. And, you know, the marketing selling part of their business is not their favorite part. So oftentimes we're helping them learn to embrace what it means to be a CEO, be a visionary. So healer is the third leadership style. And the fourth leadership style is that of a coach. Mm. Okay. And a coach is really good at listening and engaging and asking questions and, you know, getting curious and pulling somebody's greatness out of them. You know, like many of you are amazing coaches. You know that you could sit down with somebody for five or 10 minutes and you know how to pull out their greatness from them. Now, 
obviously we're all a mixture of all four leadership styles, CEO, visionary, healer, and coach. We're all a mixture of all four, but I actually created an assessment because I found that more than anything else, when my clients knew which was their strongest leadership style or maybe a couple of strongest areas, they could leverage those areas in their selling conversations. They could lean on those aspects of themselves even more to market themselves and have enrollment conversations with potential clients. And they could recognize which leadership styles they might not be as comfortable with. And they could get some of the specific tools to skill up in those areas. So I turned it into an assessment. It's at my website at womenrockingbusiness.com. So if you have a chance, definitely go and take the assessment. And that way you'll get some of the key, you know, what I've created as little action steps based on your leadership style so that you can both leverage your strengths and close the gap on any areas that are not as strong. I love it because no uh, one size fits all. So we will link that up in the show notes for you guys to go take that assessment and see which leadership style you have. Awesome. Let me ask you this, Sage. So at the beginning of the interview, you talked about, which I love, masculine and the feminine. And I would imagine if you're attracting a lot of healers and coaches, that you're attracting clients and customers that are probably pretty strong in the feminine side. Do you feel like business is about a blend of both? What is your take on the role of both masculine and feminine, and especially if someone is you know, a woman in business? Absolutely. It's such a good question. And I'm always a little bit blunt when I answer this question because I have women coming to me all the time and asking me like, Sage, can't I just be in my feminine and build a business? And my answer to that is actually no. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's possible to build a business purely from feminine energy. I think it's absolutely required that we have both energies and that we learn to really heal any disconnect with our masculine energy as women that we learn to embrace our masculine energy so that we can go, you know, really kick some butt during the day and then flip over to our feminine at the end of the day. And that's not to say that I don't get to bring my feminine into everything that I do because, you know, the engaged feminine, even though a lot of people have this idea that the feminine energy is like more passive and more receptive. I mean, if you think about the warrior feminine, if you think about the engaged feminine, the engaged feminine is the, it's the energy that gets the baby out. I mean, we can't pop a baby out of our bellies, you know, without pushing, you know what I mean? If you have a business inside of you and you're telling me you don't want to have to push ever, good luck getting that thing out. You know what I mean? So when we can learn to kind of love to like really embrace the engagement, embrace the push, embrace the strong feminine in us and utilize the masculine energies of focus, And, you know, sitting down and keeping normal work hours and setting goals and really laying out clear intentions for our team when we can bring that masculine energy in and then bring the feminine in, which is creative and, you know, empathic. And, you know, I had something come up on my team meeting the other day where, you know, I just needed to stop and breathe for a minute and tap into my intuition. And instead of the team being in this sort of like push pull power dynamic, you know, I just asked this really simple question to one of the women on our team and it opened her up and she's like, Oh my God, I just realized what I'm doing to myself and I'm so sorry. And like, it just opened 
opened up this whole other dynamic that then took over the team meeting and left us all in tears and feeling so grateful that we get to work together. And that was all coming from my empathy. That wasn't coming from my masculine driver. So I want to just really emphasize that all of you, the men and the women listening, you are all a unique and brilliant combination of both the masculine and the feminine. And it's really embracing and utilizing both of those that's going to get you to the next level. I couldn't agree more. And I'm so glad you say that. If you didn't, I'd have to end the podcast there or something. Cause, but it's yeah. it's true. I really started this podcast because my journey was when I figured out 10 years, oh, I can start a business on the internet. It was 100% masculine. It was effort and action. And I will work harder, longer, and I will get more frustrated. And I will bang the keyboard more than anybody, whatever it takes to get it done. And it was the more I surrendered and brought in more of this feminine aspect. I I mean, you know, went down the woo woo rattle hold, started like using intuition, a lot more trust, a lot more patience, a lot more allowing. That's when everything unfolded for me. And so if you're the masculine guy on the call, I'm always going to invite you to bring in more of the feminine. And if you're like, we have a lot of listeners that are like, everything I'm saying, they're like, I've heard this for years, James, you're preaching to the choir. Then I invite you to bring in a little bit more of the masculine. So let's do that for a second, actually, Sage. If we had a a really masculine, maybe a little skeptical male on the call, what would be one thing, piece of advice for this gentleman to invite more of the feminine in and then vice versa for the the female with a lot of feminine energy how do they invite the masculine in Mm, that's such a good question you know if you are a woman who just would so much rather sit back and you know have your business take you away and you know have your business sort of like unfold for you i challenge you to really ask yourself what it would take to enjoy the effort. So one example for me is with my team, we have dance parties, we have dance breaks, <laughs> even, even if we're virtual, like we'll start out a meeting, by just, I'll put a, you know, put a song on the speakers and blast it into the zoom room with all my virtual team there. And we just take three minutes to like dance around and grin at each other and just be silly. It's like, but that's what gets us more. It's what raises the energy, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it gets us into that feeling. I mean, it's addicting that energy of like, I want to go for something, right? I mean, if we were just, you know, I'll never forget the year. I took an entire year off. I don't know if I've ever told you this, James, but I took an entire year off and I cruised around in my grandfather's RV for an entire year and just, you know, didn't, I did, I had saved money. I didn't have to work, traveled, backpacked, met people. You know what? By month three, I was going crazy. Like I was bored. I really wanted to start working with clients. That was the year that I got some, you know, practice clients just for trade. You know, so to really ask yourself, like, okay, like I get that your ego tells you, oh, I'd rather be laying on the beach. How many days would you have to lay on the beach before you would actually rather be like on stage changing somebody's life, you know, or sitting in front of somebody looking in their eyes, telling them the thing that they needed to have somebody tell them for the last five years, right? So if you're a woman, that's your assignment. Your assignment is to ask yourself, like, what would it take for me to really enjoy the effort? And then if you're a man and you find yourself driving, 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 and you, you have to do something like what James had to do, which is like surrender a little bit more, get a little bit more into you know, the more empathic, intuitive part of you. I don't know about you, James, you might be even better at giving this advice than I would, but I've worked with a few men that have really been served by 
making sure they're out in nature every day Mm. or making sure that they're practicing meditation and really kind of slowing down, right? So that you can access that more quiet voice inside of you when everything around you feels like a pressure cooker. Because let's face it, when you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot of days where you kind of feel like you're in a pressure cooker. So you have to learn to slow yourself down. One of the things that I do is I meditate at lunch or I, I lay up against the wall with my legs going up the wall because there's this thing that happens to your nervous system where it's like, does this like reverse blood flow in your nervous system. And, you know, five minutes with my legs up a wall almost feels like I took a 30 minute nap and it just taps me right back into that parasympathetic, more awake, aware, present state of mind rather than the, the, the one that wants to drive and go bigger, better, faster, stronger all the time. You know, I love what Deepak Chopra says about this. Deepak Chopra says, you know, when I'm busy, I meditate an hour a day. And when I'm really busy, <laughs> I, med- I meditate for two hours a day. I love it. It's so true. And <laughs> yes, my advice would be the same for the, you know, super masculine alpha male is to slow down in every aspects of that. I think for me, what I needed in order to receive that advice is I needed the logic, the reasoning and the science behind it. Yeah. And, and today there's so much so much data from even just like proof of the impact of what meditation does to the brain. There's even studies I'm reading a fascinating book right now that there is like, there is crazy proof out there and no one talks about it mainstream about the power of the brain and intuition. Like Mm -hmm. anybody can develop ESP qualities and receive, you know, like Carl Jung's collective unconsciousness and like that data is out there. And for me, that's what I needed. I needed to be able to grab onto that. There's even things that talk about, this isn't a great book, Scrum by Jeff Sutherland talks about after 36 hours of work in a week, your productivity, your effectiveness drastically declines. So even just from a logical perspective, working less can allow you to be more creative and more productive. Amen. Uh, I could yeah. not agree more. Amen. Amen. And a woman. And I do want to just bring this <laughs> back around. I want to bring it back around to the selling part of this conversation yeah. because, you know, the most effective salespeople are the most present mm. salespeople, right? Like the times that I've actually had a client sign on the dotted line for a $10,000 deal, a $25,000 deal. I've been so present to tuning into what is it that this person actually needs from me? What do they need to hear? How can I wake them up? Because people don't buy from you because of what you're selling. Like, I mean, they, 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 they are buying the transformation, but they also are buying the awareness that you can take them somewhere that they can't go themselves. Right. They need you to be present and available for that. And if you're all spun out in your mind, it will be very difficult for you to close those big sales. I love it. Sage, this has been amazing. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that's coming up for you? Any other final thoughts for anyone, either in the realm of talking about, you know, getting rid of our aversion to selling, making selling more enjoyable, or just anything in general? You know, the more present that you are as a salesperson, as a marketing you know, director in your company, as an entrepreneur, the more present that you are, the more you're going to be able to really tune in to what people are asking for from you. And that's the big hint to having your business grow as big as you want it to grow, right? Is to give people what they're asking for, not what you think they need, right? And so, yeah, just that invitation into your own 
commitment to change lives, to make a bigger difference for people, and to know that anytime anybody hires you, what it really means at the essence is it means that you're going to get to make a difference for them. I love it. Okay. Sage's new book is out and ready for purchase. Women Rocking Business. If you go over to womenrockingbusiness.com, we'll link this up in the show notes. You can not just get the book, but Sage has got a ton of bonuses for you and womenrockingbusiness.com forward slash quiz. And you can take the assessment to see which of the four types of leadership styles you possess. Sage, anything else? Where else should they connect with you if they want to learn more? I'm just so excited for you guys to get this book in your hands. You know, the book walks you through all 12 steps of creating a business that's in alignment with women's values. For those of you men out here who have resonated with what James and I have been talking about, you'll love the book as well. So absolutely, I'm just really standing here for every single one of you that knows you're meant to make a bigger difference on the planet. I'm just, I just, I'm here to remind you that your clients are out there waiting for you. They're not waiting for someone like you. They're not waiting for someone who does something similar to you. There's a set of life experiences that you've been through that has uniquely prepared you to be the mentor to the people who are looking for you. So, you know, go take the quiz understand your leadership style so that you can get even more masterful at the money conversation. And I look forward so much to, you know, hearing from some of you that you've been able to take another step in your business because of the book or because of the quiz and just congratulations for being out there doing your work. It takes courage to do what you're doing and your clients are waiting for you. Thank you, Sage. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Again, everything will be linked up in the show notes and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. For 10 years now, I've made my living selling digital courses, membership subscriptions, and group coaching. I've been able to make millions of dollars. Yet even better, I've been able to help thousands upon thousands of students with my training. Yet I've never taught my system on how to actually get started. How to choose the right niche, the right product, the right tools, and the right plan. Until now. The information marketing industry is booming now more than ever. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get in, well, now is your time. For the next eight weeks, I'm going to be delivering a brand new training course live showing exactly how to get started and get profitable, even if you have no list, no product, or no idea. And the best part is it's 100% free. All you have to do is request an invite to my private Facebook group. Every week, I'll broadcast a live, in-depth training with homework, action items, and of course, Q&A. So to request access to my private group now and join the training absolutely free, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. That's www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. And I'll see you there.